Hi, this is Lou Graham, the voice of Foreigner, and you're listening to Steve Benz on The Blend. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Blend. My name is Steve Benz. We are broadcasting live in downtown Chicago tonight. I've got one of the great vocalists, one of the great songwriters of all time, 70s, 80s, uh, one of the headliners for what they called arena rock back then. Let's welcome Lou Graham to the show. Lou, welcome to The Blend. Well, thank you, Steve. Good to be here. You know, that's the first question I have. Arena rock, is that something that you guys were as the band Foreigner? Were you arena rock? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't take that as a, as a negative moniker. I think... I think that's something you earn, you know, and and we we were we were proud to be a band that that uh, that kind of played the, played those venues uh, mostly, and and uh, you know it, it was just every, every time we played it was it was uh, it was an event. Was it scary to go out there to be? Where was it? in California? You played in front of two hundred thousand people. Yeah, well, more than that. It was uh, uh, Cal Jam too. Right. I think it was more like four hundred, four hundred quarter thousand, and uh, they they had it was from from the stage. Uh, I, I could see people as as far as the horizon, and 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 it, and it went farther than that. They had three PA systems on five second delays and screens, so so people who were too far away to see anything could could see the band on screens and, and hear, hear the, the PA system on a, on a, I think, a two- or three-second delay. And uh, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. That would have just blown my mind. And now you're at venues and people are standing in with their phones and not even looking at you sing. <laughs> I guess they'll look later. <laughs> right. How weird is that? It's weird. It's weird, you know. And as much as much as uh, you know, when when uh, the promoter introduces us and says that he he would like to see no no phones in the air uh, and that, that security will be taking them away if he sees them, uh, security doesn't do anything unless there's a fight, and and uh, many many people have their phones up. Do you even care that they have their phones up there? I don't really. I I always thought a couple other musicians had told me that is. They said, "Why don't you just watch the show and and remember that instead of uh, doing it with your phone?" I would agree with that. I would agree with it too. You know, if 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 you know your phone is is taking a, a shot of the stage, don't look at your phone. Look at the stage. You know? Right. That, or you can always rely on 100 people posting the same video right next to you. Right. If you didn't get it, somebody else will. Right. That's what I do. I just put it down. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a lot of better phones here than what I have. <laughs> Right? You see some of these guys with the latest iPhones, and they've got all these zoom in and all that. And I just look at how close they can zoom in. I'm like, I didn't need to see the guy's nose. Not that close. Right, right, right. So, I didn't need to see the, the sweat starting to beat up and roll down his face. Right. We do not, we do not need to look up Lou Graham's nose. It's not necessary. Right. So being on tour now versus way back then. So we'll go kind of go back and forth a little bit. What's it like to be on tour now when you step out there? Well, it's... um. It's a little different than than uh, the two hundred or four hundred thousand people. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we still play uh, outdoor venues and and we play a lot of street festivals right. and things like that. No, it's it's not four hundred thousand people, but but it can be uh, fifteen or twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know we we uh, we travel by plane, 
and and uh, we bring our guitars, and the drummer brings his cymbals, and the promoter provides the stage, the lights, the PA, the amplifiers. So so we just do a sound check, plug in, play, and and after the show we we uh, st- stay the night in a hotel and go home the next morning. Do on, people on a airline flight? You know. Do they recognize you? Do they still recognize you when you're uh, when let's say you're just walking downtown for for lunch or dinner before you hit the stage? Do the people know who you are? I, I think more people recognize me now yeah. than, than than in Foreigner's heyday. How is that possible? You had like the coolest like fro for a white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was it was uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that 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 wasn't a, a perm either. That was uh, that was washing your hair, getting out of the shower, and just shaking it off and letting it dry on its own. <laughs> And that's that's what it would turn out like. So it was uh, it was fun when it got real long. The only thing is, when I was on stage and and the wind was blowing, I'd open my mouth to sing and get a mouthful of hair. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Now we all tried to have curly hair. We all did. You know, when your first album came out, I was fairly young, and I remember uh, my my brother coming home with the the first album, and I actually had a little phonograph player back then. And hearing the first, like the first notes, I was like mesmerized. It was the first time, it was the first band that I remember going, what the hell was that? What did I just hear? <laughs> That's cool. That's- it was so freaking cool. And I sat there and still to this day, I'm mesmerized in the first one. And then when I hear the damage is done, that's when you had me as a young boy. That was the song that did it. I don't know why. But that was the song. It, it's that song is very different. Yeah, you know that it, it's it, the, the the whole uh, 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 intro and mm-hmm. the verse with, without without any any uh, uh, rhythm and without yep. any drums. The drums don't come in till the second verse. Yep, that was that's the one I have played on when I started my career in radio, and I play it now. That's the one I want to play, and people don't understand, and I don't understand it either. But that's the one. <laughs> hey, if it feels good, do it. Now, going back now, another reason why I kind of knew who you were as a youngster was uh, I had some older sisters who had a Black Sheep album. Wow. Okay. This was in Chicago? Yes, in Chicago. My sisters were old enough to kind of travel around and that kind of stuff. You know, it was the 70s. Okay. she would They would disappear for days <laughs> back then. So they had some Black Sheep albums back then. I don't know how it got there because I, I wouldn't know. And the one song I was I was talking to my uh, this very sister over the weekend. Hey, hang on, let me interrupt you for sure. a minute. We we used to play Cleveland the the Agora Theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they they had them in uh, four cities in in uh, uh, Ohio, and and so so we we were getting pretty close to Chicago. Yeah. I know we had fans in Chicago who would drive down to see us. Yeah, it, it wasn't that far. Cleveland's not that far. No, not that far. Okay, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. So with that, it was just one song that she mentioned, and I just played it before we came on. It was No Worry, No Pain. Oh, that's a cool song. That's one of my favorites. So there you go. Just some history. Now everybody's Googling it, going, what? Black Sheep? Who the hell is Black Sheep? That, 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 that band almost almost uh, knocked it out of the park. So with that... You you end up in Foreigner. How did that possibly happen? That Black Sheep seemed like a really cool project. It was very cool. Uh, I started that band, uh, I think, when I was 19 years old, mm-hmm. and and uh, we we uh, 
we were opening for a bunch of different bands, and we we were signed. We got signed to Capitol Records. Mm-hmm. We released our first album. Then we released our second album, and we got the opening slot for the Big Kiss tour. Holy crap! Yeah, we we were the opening act for for the whole Kiss tour, one of their big big tours. And we we first show we played was Boston, and we we got a, we got an encore and and uh, Kiss's tour manager you know they never let anybody go back right. out for an encore That's but true. Kiss's tour manager said yeah go answer your encore, so we went out and we played played one more song we came off we were on top of the world we listened to Kiss play, and this was this was a uh, Christmas Eve of of nineteen seventy four, and, and after Kiss played we jumped you know we had we had our equipment truck with a couple guys setting up and the whole band was getting into a, a big Ford Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So we, we drove home. We were about an hour ahead of the truck. I got home, I jumped into bed and the phone rang and it was the guys in the truck. They said the truck hit a patch of ice on a New York State Thruway, slid off the road and tipped over. Can you come and get us? I said, where are you? They said, by Albany. So I got one of the other guys in the and, and back we went. Uh, uh, Christmas Eve night uh, to pick up pick up the the the, the crew guys and uh, the throwaway people had pulled the truck back up and and uh, put it on a flatbed and, and brought it to to a gas station somewhere just off the throwaway. So so we picked up the, the crew, took them home. We had a nice Christmas, but that evening we all jumped in the in our car and went back to see how bad the, the truck was damaged. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we could see that, you know, it was banged up, but the, the, the box in the back where the equipment was, was was really messed up. We managed to pry the door open, and we saw the drums were smashed by, by the weight of the amplifiers. Oh. The amplifiers, the, all the speakers were, were ripped and torn out. We had a Hammond B3 that w- the legs were ripped off of it. And... and Really, we, we when we got the truck back back to Rochester, we figured that 80 to 85 percent of our equipment was destroyed. Oh. And, and two days from then, we were supposed to be in, in Atlanta for our second show with Kiss. So we were begging our parents to, to you know give us some money so we can get some equipment and a, and a little truck and get moving. And and there was a recession on it, and our parents yeah. could not do it. Yeah. So we 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 called the record company. You know, we were this was Capitol Records. We we were on our second album with them and begged them to to front us some money. You know, so we can we could uh, promote our second album and and uh, you know kick kick butt on 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 that tour with Kiss. They wouldn't do it. And uh, you know. Uh, we found out that that the next day they dropped us from the label, oh. and we were dropped from the tour because we we couldn't make the show. Oh my! Show. Oh my God! So from from heaven, the first show in Boston, getting a standing ovation, to hell, f- finding out that the record company dropped us and we lost our place on the tour and had no equipment. Amazing. For two 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 and a half days. You know like what? That. You know what? Gene and Paul have been on the show. I need to call them up and let you tour with them. Yeah, I, I don't know if they remember that. I, I'll bet you they do. Yeah, Gene Simmons remembers everything, it seems like. 
There isn't anything. Talk about you were with Kiss before they exploded on the scene too. That had to be surreal to watch them perform as well. They they were they were they they had a couple huge albums. Then they yep. they had a little time off. Yep. And then they came back with the album that we we were opening for them on, and that ended up I think being maybe being their biggest one. Uh, was that Destroyer? Could be. I don't yeah. know. Destroyer. I, I, you had uh, Beth on it. That was massive. That's probably when when. Um, yeah, that had to be the one. And then a live one, the Kiss Live. Alive, I should say. But they were good. They were good live, I'll tell you what. They're did hurt. you take anything from their show? Like, did you think, hey, I should put on some makeup too? No, I did not think that. <laughs> <laughs> but you had the same hair. You could have been in Kiss with that hair back then. I was thinking, good man, but I never hit the stage like that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So how did you know that you had talent to write music or even to sing when was that moment when you figured it out you know at at, uh eight years old i started taking drum lessons and uh a couple years later i got a drum set and and i was practicing on my drum set i i I, uh almost got a scholarship to the eastman school of music in rochester and and uh you know uh and so by the time I got in my first rock band, I was drumming and singing background because we had a lead singer. And uh, at some point, you know, the, uh, the, that band broke up and, and uh, I formed Black Sheep. I was the drummer and the lead singer. And boy, was that hard to do <laughs> the whole night, you know. And, and finally, we, we started looking for a lead singer so I could continue drumming. We didn't find a lead singer, but we found a good drummer, and I moved to the front. <laughs> it seems like a lot of drummers want to be the lead singer. I, I mean, I, I like singing, but I love playing drums, yeah. too. I, I did that only because we couldn't find a singer. Yep. You know, But we found a real good drummer, so, so I, I reluctantly put the sticks down and went yep. to the front. Being a drummer, did that help you write music? It, it did, and it helped me when I was singing, too, because... Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was I was creating the pocket, yep. and th- then I was singing to it. Wow, I, w- I wouldn't have thought of that. You had uh, let's see, in the seventies, you had Don Henley, who then was the singer for for the Eagles. You had now you got uh, Dave Grohl from Nirvana. He stepped in front for the Foo Fighters. Uh, Phil Collins with Genesis in the eighties. See, look at the trend that you started. I was just part of it. That's all. <laughs> All right, so now you got black sheep. You're going on, and somehow, some way, you know the the question is always, how did Foreigner get together? One, I love the idea. It was three Brits, three Americans, and me. As a lot of the other youngsters, we thought you were one of the British guys. Oh my goodness! I don't know why, but we thought he must be British because that's what was happening in the late '70s and '80s with the with the influx of all the British bands. So, so listen, listen how this happened. Uh, about a month before, about a month before uh, our truck crashed, mm-hmm. uh, our our Black Sheep's manager was an A and M Records rep. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's strange. That is. So, so, uh, uh, you know, we had we had nothing to do uh, on nights we weren't playing, yep. and and he said, "Come on, uh, let's go to the Auditorium Theater downtown. I got tickets for you guys to see Spooky Tooth." Hmm. And and that was a, that was a great band. We you know I had all their albums and 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 was kind of influenced by them. So we went down there and uh, they they played. We enjoyed it. 
uh, our manager took us back to meet them after the show, and I happened to have two Black Sheep albums under yep. my arm. I thanked them for their performance and thanked them for, for, for letting us come back to, to, to say hi, and I gave Mick, the, I didn't know who he was. Right. I knew he was the guitar player. I gave him the two albums, and I said, I said, you know, we're on Capitol Records. Here's our first two albums. Listen to those. Maybe you'll like something. He goes, thanks. Well, uh, uh, a month later, we were, for all intents and purposes, out of business. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I told you why. Yep. And yep. and about six weeks after that, I got a call from Mick, saying that he was no longer in Spooky Tooth. He was putting together his own band. He listened to the Black Sheep albums and loved the way I sang. Would I come down and audition? And 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 I told him, I says that that's really that's really a, a great compliment. I, I thank you for it, but but I'm so wrapped up in my own band. Uh, uh, even though we're we're down for the count now, I want to see this through. He said, I understand. He says I'll call you in about a month and see how things are going. So I went and told told my guys in Black Sheep who called me and what they wanted me to do, and they said, why don't you go down there? you got nothing to lose. We're, we're, we're not going anyplace this way. So go, go down and audition. So when Mick called back the second time and asked me if, if anything had changed and I, if I want to audition, I told him I would come down. Right. So I flew down there. Uh, they, he had tracks, some tracks. He had feels like the first time and at war with the world. What? Uh, he, had, he had demos of them. So, so I was listening to the music of them, and he was singing in my ear what the, what the, what the, uh, the melody was, gave me a, a sheet with the lyrics on it, and sent me out to sing to, 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 to their tracks already. And, and I did that to about three or four songs. And, and um, at the end of the day, they, they, they told me that they really liked my voice, and, and, and Mick says, can you stay a few more days? And, and I brought... A satchel down with me with one <laughs> change of, of underwear, right. an extra pair of socks, and a right. T-shirt. And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll stay." So, uh, you know, uh, uh, we went to his house and we started writing. We wrote, we wrote a uh, 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 long, long way from home. We started working, working on a couple other things. And, and then I said to him, "Look, I'm out of clothes." I says, "I says uh, I got to get home. I, I can't hang around here much longer." So, so I did go home, and, and uh, man, their management gave me enough money to, to rent an apartment just out of the city. And, and uh, I packed up my stuff in a U-Haul and, and, and drove it down there, and, and I started riding into to Manhattan every day with Dennis Elliott because he lived one town over from me. Right. And, and we started rehearsing and writing songs. So that's what, 1976? That's 19. The end of 75, early 76. Okay, so you're how old then? Uh, uh, my, uh, um, 20... The end of my 25th year and, and, and just turning 26. Wow. And, and, and uh, that, then when we had about a half a dozen songs, we started having uh, record company A&R people come down uh-huh. to listen to us, including Atlantic Records. <laughs> and uh, John Kaladna, do you know John Kaladna? Uh, I know the name. Yeah, he he was Atlantic Records uh, uh, A&R guy. He's yep. the guy who who was able to sign groups that he thought were 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 happening. So they came down and they heard us and and they liked us, but but they 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 didn't didn't uh, 
lead us to to think they were going to make any offers. Mm-hmm. But but uh, so so they they left and Kaladner came back uh, about ten minutes after and and said, "I love your songs." He says, "But he says number one, they're too long." Yeah. He says, "We we have to edit them down to under three minutes." Yeah. And I'd like to hear you guys write some more things. So he started working with us for about three weeks, and then we had another audition with with Atlantic Records. The president and 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 a few other people came down there, and we kicked butt. And um, the next day, we we were at our attorney's office signing contracts. Jeez. And I don't think there's any of the songs in the first album that are uh, three minutes or under three minutes. I think. Just so <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. But, you know, we try we tried to keep it reasonable, right? Because damage is done is four or five minutes long, so none of that. So maybe maybe long way from home. I don't know. I don't think that's very long, really. Uh, yeah, that's probably the shortest one. I think that was a good track. That whole album was so good. It was just so good. Can you listen to it? Do you still listen to that album? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, we had we had uh, really good producers. We had a team of producers, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Lyons and John Sinclair, and uh, they were proteges of of uh, of uh, Roy Thomas Baker. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they were fun to work with. They really would uh, uh, inspire you to do your best. They were also songwriters, so they would, you know, if you were up against the wall trying to figure out an arrangement, they would contribute some ideas to to get things moving you know and and uh it, it could have been hell for a first album but but we 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 uh but and, and i mean the first album is always the hardest one to top isn't it we we put in a lot i mean if you think about it your first uh eight singles i think we're in the top 20 and then you get put in the uh, songwriters hall of fame Essentially, because of that album, those first two albums, that has just got to be surreal. Likely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, uh, it, it was where our tour we were, and let, let me tell you another thing: uh, our second tour, when uh, Double was out, we were opening for Heart. Yeah, and uh, that was a fun tour. And about halfway through the tour, we flip flopped, and they they were opening for us. I would think so. I would think you would have been a better, uh, bigger band at the time. They didn't. They really kind of exploded in the mid '80s when they changed their hair, had the the big Lou Graham hair. <laughs> right, right, right. I know. I know what you mean. Right. They had those big shoulder pads and stuff. Right. In the videos. They were a good band. They were a good band. Oh, they are still good. I just saw them last summer live, and I couldn't believe the sound that they put out. Those two ladies. Yes. And I saw you perform. Uh, in the late 80s, I was old enough to tour or whatever, you know, college and stuff. And then I saw you again in the the 90s. I mean, just your voice is so unique. Do other members of your family sing? Is that like a family thing? It, it is. My my, uh, my dad played trumpet in, in the uh, mid-40s. He had his own big band, and and my mom was the singer in his band. Wow. Did you ever have them on on your album, one of your albums? I had my dad on my first solo album, playing horn. That was your solo stuff. Let's face it, your solo stuff was unbelievable. I mean, it, it was. If you think of the time when you went solo, some of your solo work, no one was doing it. I think Phil Collins might have been the only one that uh, was doing some solo work, and that was like the perfect time in the eighties. 
And I, I can't think uh, Gabriel, but that was Genesis. No one else was really doing that at the time. Uh, not, not, not so much, you know. And uh, you know, we we Midnight Blue was a huge yep. hit. Yep. It was the most most played single yep. that year. O- over can't find, uh, over uh, U2's can't find what I'm looking for, yep. and yep, yeah, so, some big songs. And here, there we were, at number one, most played most played single with Midnight Blue. Was it a big risk to do that, or was that something that you had already planned to do? I had been thinking about it because because the last album or two that that Ford was doing, Mick was kind of starting to get infatuated yeah. with keyboards yeah. and and uh, and ballads. So so I was a, 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 a little bit uh, uh, impatient and, and and wanted to rock because we made our name as a rock band. Yeah. You know, yeah. we I, I didn't want to compete with these uh, new new wave. Uh, uh, synthesized yep. bands, you know. I, I like to touch a synthesizer here and there, but I wanted to hear the guitars. Suddenly, he put down his guitar, and I, I was like, "What are you doing?" You know. Yep. So, so I was I was not thrilled, and and I wanted to pick up the gauntlet with my own album, and 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 uh, get back to, to to the basic guitars and drums. And that you did. We, yes, we did. And with that, with the uh, one of the solo shows I saw, I mean, you just kicked ass for like two hours. And we had a lot of fun there, boy. Let me tell you. Uh, you know, versus, you know, I, I saw a lot of bands. I've seen thousands and thousands of bands. And it's usually the 90 minutes, and they look like they're just going through the motion. You did not. You came out. You rocked from the moment you stepped out there. You didn't say much. You just sang your butt off. That's, that's the way we like to do it. That's yeah. the way it should be. And I'm sure that's what you're still doing now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, when when we went out uh, to, to promote the first solo album, we we uh, we opened for Steve Miller, yeah. and I thought to myself, "Wow, this is a strange billing, you know." But but his audience, you know, because because I, I'm sure I had quite a few people there, but but the bulk of the people in in the audience were his fans, mm-hmm. and they warmed up to us, and it was fun playing every night. Let me tell you. Now, when you went out on your own, were they expecting like a foreigner show? Well. Uh, um, you know, I I played most songs from 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 my first solo right. album, mm-hmm. and then I did play foreigner songs, you know, because I'm part of foreigner too. I wrote I wrote most of those right. songs with Mick, so so they got a they got a good taste of both of those. I mean, you are foreigner. I don't care what anybody says; they cannot replace your voice. You are the voice of foreigner, and I joke on my shows. Anybody else? I won't say who was singing. I call them fake foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you cannot have sticks without Dennis DeYoung. You cannot have Journey without Steve Perry. So whenever I hear fake foreigner, I'm like, no, turn that off, and I mean that right now. So, See, that's my homage to you, my friend. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm telling you, like, if if I see you seeing the damage is done, and I'm like in the front row, you're going to be like, that kid looks like he's eight years ago, and, you know, eight years old again, and I'll be like, ah, you know. Oh, my goodness. I mean that's how good that was, you know. Maybe I'll will see if I can find my my old, um, you know, hey, yeah. That now put on the old uh, uh, bell bottom pants that my grandmother bought me. So don't go there. <laughs> yeah, I'll just really screw you up. You'd be like, oh no, what is going on? So I know with the security, the, security. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be like, no, 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 I got a badge. I got a badge. I belong here. So now it's 40 years later. Can you believe 40 years has passed since the release of Foreigner 1? It, 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 
you know, I, I believe 25 and 30, but 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 now that that I, I realize it's 40, yep. it, it it just I'm a grizzled old veteran. What happened to me? <laughs> yeah. All right, you're I, not that grizzled. I I I think you know uh, uh, we we earned our stripes and yep. and uh, we we were especially during during. Uh, the early years, and, mm-hmm. and for four and four, for four and four, we were out a year and a half straight with without going yep. home for more than two days. Yeah. That was one freaking tour. Also, if people didn't know, four was because you guys went from six members down to four, which was even a risky thing to do. Yeah, it was, but that's that's why they thought that the album was four. They thought that first, then they realized it was our fourth album. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, look, fans were not that smart. Okay, we needed it spelled out. <laughs> uh, it, it worked both ways, to tell you the truth. Now, looking at your body of work, is there a CD, either a foreigner or your solo stuff, that you're most proud of? Um, like just the overall essence of the CD. I mean, because there's always highs, lows, and just songs where you could say, yes, that is Lou Graham music. This is who I am. Like if it was going to go into a time capsule, what would you put in there? Well, I'm, I'm proud very, very proud of Foreigner 4. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite Foreigner album. But you know what's right behind Foreigner 4? I don't know if you ever heard it. Uh, Mr. Moonlight. Mr. Moonlight? That album? Wow. You know what? Have you ever heard of it? Yes, I have. And I'm trying to place... Um, wow. It was, in, it was released in 94. Yeah. that's I, You know, I was sitting there thinking... It had to be the late '80s because it's all a blur to me, and early '90s. But that, wow, that album was released a- after uh, uh, the the corporation started buying up radio oh, yeah. and 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 uh, kind of leading the veteran bands out to pasture. Yeah. So so th- they were playing all our big hits uh, on the the. Uh, the History Channel uh, radio stations, but but they they would not play a new song yeah. on, on a regular radio station. It happened to the Eagles. It happened to yep. Prince. It happened to us. It happened to Journey. You know, suddenly there were no more new songs from from any of these people. Yep. Of course, there were. There were some great songs, but we just couldn't break through on on hit radio because we were more or less put out to pasture. Yeah, yeah. That's what they do now. Like, uh, you know, I feel bad for bands like you. If you put out new music, the 80 stations won't play it. They just won't. And the top 40 can't because they're busy playing whatever it is that they're playing now. Yeah, the, the 80 stations, the, the hit radio stations will play only the hits. Yeah. We, used to, we used to go up there with Mr. Moonlight and, and do half-hour, 45-minute interviews, including play some yeah. some of the hits acoustically. Yeah. And then and then we'd say, you know, we have a new album out. It's called Mr. Moonlight. Would would you would you play uh, our new single is uh, such and such? And he'd go, Oh yeah, sure. So so he'd play about fifteen seconds of it, yeah. start talking over it, and then fade it out before it was half a minute. I remember those days I got fired from two stations for not doing that, for not playing fifteen seconds, playing the whole song and album. Jeez. See that that's 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 what 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 killed uh, a lot of a lot of groups, you know. Yep. That 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 people in corporations will tell you when 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 your days are over. Yeah. You know, 
like sudden, suddenly we you know we've been on the on the scene since uh since 77 and here it is 91 and yep. and uh you know we're still creating very good things and 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 they're they're leading us out to the to the uh to the pasture well that's probably why you're seeing even now 80s and 90s bands tour as much as as they do you can play some of the uh the your new stuff but really they want you to play the hits and yeah, they do. You know, we, we we were playing some of our new stuffs in 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 uh, in, in my band over the last few years, mm-hmm. and and some you, you'd hear about a half a dozen people shouting and clapping because you know that they've heard it, but the majority of the audience is kind of giving you that what's that look? You know? Right. Right. Never heard that before. <laughs> right. As they're looking at their phone and tweeting it out, going, I don't know what Lou Graham is singing right now. So. Right. 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 That's too funny. Do you still like touring? Do you enjoy it? Um, not not that much anymore. Yeah. I, I, I like I like performing, but 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 um, you know I, I, I'm finding that that uh, there there's so much downtime touring that yeah. that uh, you know when I was young I used to you know if if we got in at ten in the morning to the city I used I used to walk around shop uh, uh, do this do that go go see uh, historic sites and stuff just to, just to do something you yeah. know what I mean but. But now I stay in and I watch TV and I take a nap. Yeah, see, you know, until until it's time for sound check. I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's either getting old or having done this so long yeah. that 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 uh, my interests are are different than what they were when I was twenty eight years old. You know, well, I don't think it's that you're you're getting old. I just you've been through it. You've done it so many times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, do you still think you have a great album left in you? Oh, I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do. I've, I've, you know, my band. We we've been doing demos over the past six or eight months. We've got about eight songs, mm-hmm. uh, of which I think five are, are are really striking, but 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 infectious, you know, but but just striking. And and uh, I, I honestly, I'm I'm pretty objective about our stuff. If right. it's not good, I'm the first one to say so. I would think so. And I just wish that that it could get a shot. You know, I, I don't think putting it putting it out uh, uh, to be downloaded is is necessarily where I want to go with my music. Yeah. You know? Well, vinyl's coming back. It outsold CDs this oh, past year. A lot year. of people do downloads, but yeah. but I I, I I don't know. I would play it for you, Lou. I would give you an entire hour. You guys could play. That's what I would do. I'd give up my airtime for you. That's that's cool. And we would come up with instruments and, and, and do some stuff right in the studio. Yeah. You know, with that, if you just let me play fake tambourine in the background or something. Right. You got it. <laughs> yeah, just, just put a mic in front of me. Make me think like I'm part of the band. <laughs> that's all. Now, with that, I have a kind of – you're in the Hall of Fame. So you have to kind of, you know, beat your chest, Songwriters Hall of Fame, so you're immortalized. Where do you belong with, with your voice? So where do you belong in rock history? I mean, I think I think somewhere in there. I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's tough, tough for, for someone to say where they belong. I, I don't know where we belong. I know we do belong. I just don't know where. And, and, and any, anywhere up up with with uh, the bands that that I admire, you know, uh, uh, certainly not with the Beatles or the Stones, but but, but you know, uh, uh, with Journey, with yep. with uh, 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 some of the some of the 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 
good rock bands mm-hmm. of our era. Yeah. That's where we belong. You yeah, know? your contemporaries. That's where you belong. You absolutely belong there. You know, the Beatles and Stones are, are somebody else to who. You know, that's that's mind-boggling what they did. But you belong there. Your voice belongs in one of the in the American voices. You are in the top ten, my friend. Thank you very much. I do I mean, appreciate that. I think you could sing anything. There isn't a song you probably are a band that you couldn't sing if someone said, hey, Lou, could you do a cover of this? You, do you know what I like to sing? And I'll tell you, one of my favorite things to do is, is go to a baseball game or a football game or basketball and sing the anthem. That's a damn hard song to sing. It's a damn hard song to sing, but but uh, if I get the key in my head and I go out there, you know, if I if I do it with a keyboard uh, with a, the the organist inside the, you know, the the hockey arena that yep. goes dun 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 the keyboard the organist that do that at the hockey games, right? Yeah. So you could just do that as a job. Just be the, you know, they don't need the organist. They just need you at a hockey at a hockey place. When, when I usually usually when, when I go out and sing the at a baseball or football game, there's nobody there. It's just me singing by myself. <laughs> I got to make sure I start out in the right key. If I start out a little too high, those high notes are going to be ridiculous to hit. Yeah, you'll be like sounding like Prince by the end of it. <laughs> I have to I have to to adjust my belt. Now, as we come towards the end of this, uh, who did you listen to when you were growing up? We all try to emulate someone when we're a youngster. And I would think as a musician and as a singer, there was someone that you wanted to sound like. Who was that? First and foremost, uh, uh, John Lennon. Um, then Steve Marriott, Steve Winwood, Paul Rogers, wow. Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, to name a few. That is a star cast right there. That is all legendary people, and you're in that group, my friend. Well, you know, that, uh, there isn't. We could play. We could drop a record, any of your songs, and people will know it immediately. They will know that is Lou Graham. They know your voice, and that's a testament to you and your career. Thanks, Steve. I do appreciate that. It is. It it really just is. And I talked to enough band members that are that are here and gone, and we, you can look it up and down the eighties, uh, the nineties bands and eighties bands that just kind of disappeared. You know, you're you're there. Your music will will. It's the test of time. It's still here and it's still being played on classic rock. Last night I heard um, two of your singles, uh, your solo stuff, uh, sandwiched between a foreigner song, and I'm like, my okay. God, I'm going to be talking to this guy in two days. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's still out there. I mean, I, I, you know, wherever it's played, I, I'm proud. If I happen to be channel searching and I come up with with a foreigner or a Lou Graham song, yep. I crank it up. I yep. crank it up. You know? Absolutely, and I would too. And I would encourage anybody go up on YouTube. God forbid, listen to some of this guy's music from his career. Down, you know what? Find Black Sheep. You guys are gonna like it. It's gonna take you back to your teenage years, and we're not talking about the weed years. Okay, it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean that was was raw and unadorned, and and uh, it, it, the band had a lot of potential. Yep, Lou, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. You are always welcome, and if you want to play your new stuff right here, my friend, the blend is open for you. Excellent, thanks, Steve. I, I do appreciate that, and, and uh, I've had a lot of fun talking to you over this this past uh, half hour, forty five minutes. And now, Lou, he's going to be on tour this summer. 
Plus, um, from what we saw up on Twitter, he's gonna be he's gonna show up at some of the foreigner dates this summer. So make sure you get out, check out his Twitter and his website. Lou, it's always a pleasure, my friend. My pleasure tonight, boy. That it was a lot of fun. All right, yeah, you're thanks. Very knowledgeable, Steve. Very knowledgeable. Yeah. Thanks, Lou.